We are again in the fifth chapter of St. Matthew's, the Gospel of St. Matthew. And the topic of this week's lesson is Upside Down Kingdom. This is the lesson that actually brings to us this world-renowned Sermon on the Mount. I had looked up some facts about the Sermon on the Mount, and I hope that you'll find them intriguing and that they'll help you in this study. Um, And of course, we're going to go through many, many things. Elder Simpson has a lot of study that he's put in. So here's um, one thing is um, the word upside down means that the part that is at the bottom should be at the top. So it's kind of flipped, as you said earlier. And um, so things need to be put in proper order. So Jesus goes about uh, doing that and giving this powerful, powerful sermon. Here's a few of the facts from it. God bless you, Mother Wilson. Here are a few of the facts. Um, one thing that is to do is, um, it's, it's, it's the first discourse in the Gospel of St. Matthew. It also provides moral teaching. So we're going to talk about all of this. It's going to teach us how to have good morals. And people are talking about morals and ethics and this this sermon on the mount, Jesus lays it out. This is first one in the book of Matthew. Um, it's going to give us some teaching on good morals. It's also going to encourage us to be lowly and meek of heart. Another thing that it's going to do is uncover the hearts of men. It's going to uncover. It's going to show us, you know, what's really because we don't know our own hearts. The Bible tells us that. Um, another thing is going to teach us how to thrive uh, in being different, not trying to be like others and fitting in, but try, thriving to be different. It's going to tell you the importance of the word. This is a very, very powerful lesson. The importance of the word is also going to teach you how to love hard. People need to learn and know because we've been empowered to do that when we receive the Holy Ghost. The love of God was shed abroad in our hearts. So it's going to teach you how to love hard and how to love well. Another thing is going to teach you that your sacrifices should be done in secret. Um, Another point, which I thought was a good factor, is that you should know where your true treasure is. And we'll be able to tell where our treasure really lies by our behaviors. All right. And it will also help you to see that, you know, before you can get the beam out of someone else's eyes, that you first have to get the speck or the moat out of your own eye. So whatever's um, blocking your vision, you've got to take care of that. And then finally, one of the facts that we're going to get out of this lesson is learning how to take the narrow path. There are paths that people take, and we're going to take the narrow path. And with that, I'm going to give it over into the hands of our instructor, Elder Daniel Simpson. All right, thank you. Um, Our topic is Upside Down Kingdom. Now, we know the kingdom of God, Dr. Simpson, was established by David. And, of course, King Solomon built the the temple. Mm -hmm. Now, Moses had already established the priesthood during his earthly ministry. And so now Jesus come to take the kingdom that's been established, it seems, as a natural kingdom. Right. But now he's finna establish the kingdom spiritually. Right. That's what's his purpose. 
Yeah, because things have already been set in place um, mm-hmm. First, naturally, naturally. Yeah, then that was spiritual. Spiritual, yeah. and then even John the Baptist went out to kind of clear the road a little bit further and to open their eyes up in the spiritual realm. Yes, and the scripture said, not by might nor by a power, but by my spirit, said the Lord. So he was going to establish his kingdom now by the spirit of the Holy Ghost. That's right. That's right. Yes. And in this lesson, we will see how Jesus um, demonstrated the power of the Holy Ghost, not the power of the law, because uh-huh. the law was cruel and, and quick to execute. Yeah, and it was weak to the flesh, you yes. know, because they couldn't obey it. They didn't have power to obey it. So we needed the spiritual part in order so to get Jesus it right. So now Jesus is going to establish um, his kingdom by grace. Okay. Grace, grace, grace. We love grace. So... Um, when I looked at this Dr. Simpson, I saw three things before we get to the, the uh, Sermon on the Mount. It says, the theme of the Sermon on the Mount is the Messiah calling to righteousness. Okay. Okay. Yeah. The next thing is, what is righteousness? It's doing the will of God as Jesus revealed it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, you can't go about having your own righteousness, you know, or, you know, my truth, or this is the way I see it, or the way I understand it or interpret it. As you said, it's as Jesus is going to lay it out. Yes, because Jesus is the righteousness of God. That's exactly right. And then also, um, this revelation of righteousness is in this sermon, Mm -hmm. revealing the blessings of obedience. Mm -hmm. Yes. So now we get to go into the lesson. All right. So it actually starts at, this lesson actually starts at the first verse, which is... um, just the first few uh, uh, motions that he makes before he starts teaching. So in verse number um, um, one of chapter five, you know, I'm laughing because when we were teenagers, we had a, we used to have Bible quizzes and contests. You'd be on this team, that team. And so one of the questions that was up was what was the last thing Jesus did before he taught? And so it was kind of funny because we overlooked this part and said, and seeing the multitude, um, when he went up into a mountain, when he was set, his disciples came to him. And the, the answer was, he sat down. And the reason that was uh, a significant que- uh, question and uh, response is because that was the culture. When they sat down, people's minds went into learning mode because they knew that's what the rabbis were doing unless they were following them around and then they follow behind them out of respect. But um, when they get ready to teach, they would sit down. Okay, Dr. Simpson, who was the multitude? The multitude were the people that had been following him and those people that had mm-hmm. kind of seen some things that they were doing. You can go ahead and read that one. Right. You want to go there? Okay. All right, so let me uh, just get the actual scripture. So it's chapter 4. And verse 23, so we'll just read the answer to that based on the scripture. And um, Matthew chapter 4, verse 23, And Jesus went about all of Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing all manner of sicknesses and all manner of diseases among the people. And then it says in verse number 24, and his fame went out or went throughout all of Syria 
and they brought unto him all the sick and people that were taken with diverse diseases and torments and those which were possessed of devils and those which were lunatic and those which had the palsy and he healed them so uh, it was after a demonstration yes. and that was um, one of the bigger things that I always get stricken in my heart because God would often say I'm going to do this and then I'm going to perform that and then you'll know that I am God and so Jesus what he does is he demonstrates the power of the kingdom he the power of the gospel of the kingdom he preached the gospel and then he followed it with the power of the gospel and the signs and wonders following yes. so it wasn't just you know enticing words of men's wisdom it was actually in demonstration in power. demonstration and power of the holy ghost exactly and there followed him great multitudes of people from galilee from galilee to Decapolis and, uh, and Jerusalem and from Judea and beyond Jordan. Well, this is the multitude that had been following yes, and his fame was picking up and yes. people were getting healed and Deliver, demons being, no. come on. I mean, you see all these things that need to be done. Demons need to be cast out. People were tormented. Lunatics. They were being tormented. Mentality was being distressed to the point where they were in the status of being a lunatic and that's sometimes used in a comical type of a way but it's a control you know of lunacy which even refers to the moon certain times when the atmosphere and spirits in the atmosphere would um, begin to get a, get stirred up and things would happen so and I know from working in a hospital that these things are true and, and the palsy. All, palsy and all these diseases and if you think that he took care of it all then and everything is just fine now and all we need to do is just you know repent and believe the gospel then you know you've, you've, you're falling woefully short of doing the will of God because all these things are still needed unless the devil is dead and gone then none of these things we have to worry about but he's still very much alive and he's intensifying his attack because his time is short yes so this is the multitude that jesus is going to um, give the discourse discourse to speak to these multiple multiple blessings upon the people that, that we were just speaking of yes. the many things that he yes. was telling them to yes. do Okay. So verse 2 of the lesson, and he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Mm -hmm. The poor in spirit is this, those that are weak or afflicted and being humbled by uh, just the poorness of their spirit. Mm -hmm. Isaiah says this, Dr. Simpson, uh, Isaiah 66, verse 2, but if this man, mm -hmm. will, will I look even to him that is poor and of a contrite spirit? Yeah and tremble at my word. Yeah, and that's so awesomely kind and generous of God in his loving affection, um, poor in spirit. So if you're poor, that means you have a deficiency or you're coming, uh, you don't have a sufficient amount. Um, if you're poor in finances, then you lack what you really would need to have at least a comfortable, reasonable um, existence. But these people were poor in spirit. And if you look at this list yes. <laughs> of the multitude, absolutely. You know, even if they were wealthy, they were still spiritually with oh sicknesses and diseases oh that Jesus gosh. had to deliver. The yeah. world was left reeling. So by the time Jesus came and he opens up to give us the Sermon on the Mount, 
the world is bankrupt spiritually. So this is the blessings of the poor in spirit. Isaiah says it like this. Isaiah chapter 57 and verse 5, 15 says this. For thus saith the high and lofty one that inhabits eternity. Mm, I love that scripture. Whose name is holy. Yes. I dwell in the high and holy place. With him him also that is a a contrite and humble, a poor spirit. And broken heart. Yes. Contrite means to be broken. (laughs) To revive the spirit of the humble, the poor man, Mm -hmm. and to revive the heart of the contrite the broken one. Can you see? That was his purpose. He, he looked at humanity and saw a brokenness. He saw depravity. He saw, you know, spiritual bankruptcy. He saw torment. He saw lunacy. He saw demonic possession. It was as if Satan was stalking and raging and just destroying his creation. And um, he came you know, when he stood up in the temple that day in Luke 4 and 18, he said, Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to um, um, bind up the broken heart, to um, preach, the uh, gospel. preach the gospel to the poor and to um, set at liberty them that are not at them that are. Captives, you know, it's just so I I can't bring it all to my. But do you see why he's looking at all these things that are going on in humanity? And he said, "I'm anointed to come." This is what I like about it. it says, "The high and lofty one, mm-hmm. I will come down to those who are poor yes, and yes. humble, and yes. broken uh, spirit, mm-hmm. humble, and I will make my abode with him." I read a scripture last week that said. Um, it says, is there any other God, you know, beside me? And then it said, I know not none. He said, there isn't any other. He said, but I am the high, I am the highest. It doesn't, it, you can't get any higher, the greatest power. But I am coming not to be with the wealthy and the popular lifestyles of the rich and famous or anything. I came to be with him that is of a broken spirit and a contrite heart for the purpose of reviving the spirits of the contrite ones. This, that's why I say he's generous in his love and he's very passionate in his, in his dwelling among men. Yes. Verse 4, Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Now mourn is this, Dr. Simpson. Mm-hmm. It's to grieve and limit the spiritual condition of Israel. Yeah, and lament mean you know that's going beyond. Yeah, you just weeping and crying over just. And the, it's even harder than that. A lamenting can even include you know, you know the the loud wailing yes. and 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 sighs and crying out. It is it's more than groaning. It is the deepest, most pitiful thing you want to hear. Yes. Coming from him, and I like this. This is for the spiritual condition of the people. Yeah. But this is the blessing of the mourners. This is in Isaiah chapter sixty-one, mm-hmm. verse two, three, and four. And I'll read it. It said, "To comfort all that mourn, mm-hmm. to appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give them what beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for for the mourners, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called the righteousness." the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. So beauty for ashes, ashes. And first of all, (laughs) this is an exchange. 
I, I, you have something, and for what you have, I am going to replace it with something. Yes. Because why? This is a blessing for the mourners. Because my kingdom is upside down, and I have to flip it. And so I have to give beauty in exchange for your ashes. And ashes represent ruins, destruction. When it's in ashes, it's been brought to its lowest yes. common denominator. It's been brought down to... I mean, nothing, no value, no worth, no way, no how. But he said, I came to give you beauty in exchange for your ashes and the oil of joy for mourning. And that is, you know, they and they had to be mourning. Look at look at the conditions that they were in. Look at his audience. Look at the multitude that Jesus. They're following him with all of this stuff going on. And so this is what we when people come into the church of the living God, they're coming out of the world. Yes. Are they coming with all these things or are all these things outdated? No, they're coming with these same situations, spiritual conditions. So do you see how we have such a responsibility to give everything? You know, we have to give, we have to, I mean, one songwriter, and he, I like the way he put it. I can't remember who it was, but he said, withholding nothing. You can't withhold nothing. You can't sit back and say, well, I'll pray and I'll watch. And, you know, if the Lord leads me, you, you don't need to be led. The need is in front. It's slapping you in the face. So it's kind of makes you want. Do you see? I think this takes you to that part about where it tells you how to, to um, realize, you know, you have to love, and you have to love hard. So don't don't say this stuff. Stop saying some people are hard to love. You are hard to love because you're you know you would be the one that would make it difficult because you you find it difficult to give off love. But he says to love. He wants us to love hard. I mean, when you love hard, you can look past all kinds of faults. You can look past. Red flags. When you love, you know, when you really love hard, you can look beyond, you know, shortcomings and, you know, what it's going to cost you. You're going to look beyond that because your love, it's going to cost me to be a blessing to you or to help you. But that's what Jesus did. So this is a good lesson. So verse five, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Mm -hmm. Meek are those who are humble Mm. and full of humility. And yeah. Isaiah, well, Isaiah says like this, Isaiah chapter 60, verse 21 mm-hmm. and 22 says, Thy people also shall be a righteous. They shall inherit the land forever, the branch of my planting, the work of my hand, mm-hmm. that I may be glorified. A little one shall become a thousand, mm-hmm. and a small one a strong nation. I am the Lord will hasten in his time. Okay. Those meek. The meek shall inherit the earth and shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace. This song. And I'd like to add to it um, when it comes to meekness because meekness is not a um, posture, right? Meekness is not a facial expression. It's humility. And when you are really, when you are really humble and 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 meek, because he, he he makes a differentiation there. When you are meek, you endure things. Yes. You take it, 
And in that, as we talked about last week, you don't try to get even. You don't try to get um, revenge or you don't try to give, you know, eye for an eye or tooth for a tooth. No, it's turning the other cheek and it's being able to take things because you're trusting that if you line up with God's word, that God will honor your prayers. And when all, when it's time for you to do all of these things, heal all these people, cast out all these devils, and to get people out of these tormenting situations, when you stretch forth your hand to heal, God will honor your prayer. Because there's no pride in a person that's meek and humble. That's exact. It's the absence of pride. I would say that would be one good definition. The absence of pride. Self-pride. Yeah. All right, verse 6. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Righteousness is this. It's justice. It's salvation in, uh, you know, a hard situation. Mm. And I think it's going to also, we've got to make sure that we point uh, that righteousness is only righteous if it's in line with the word, word of God. It's not right because you say it's right or the multitude say that it's right or the majority. It's not a majority rule situation with God. When it comes to righteousness, you know, then the Bible says, let God be true and every man a liar. So um, even if you had a thousand people that are standing up yelling at you, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're, you know, and then only one person is saying, what the word of God says, it doesn't matter. What the others, the, the numbers do not count um, as far as that. It does not change the validity of God's word. So righteousness is only righteous if it is in line with God's word, not your personal preference or personal interpretation. So, you know, we want to be righteous in the eyes of God, not be wise in our own eyes. Yes, and this is the blessing that the, that the righteous people will have with okay. God. Mm-hmm. It's in Isaiah chapter 51. Here are those, here, here, here is their blessing okay. in verse 1 through 3. It said, whoa, whoa, everyone that's thirst come to the water, mm-hmm. and he that has no money come ye, mm-hmm. buy and eat. Yea, come buy wine, milk without money or without price. Mm-hmm. Wherefore do ye spend money for that which is not bread, mm-hmm. and your labor for that which satisfieth not? Hearken diligently unto me, and eat that which is good, and your soul shall delight itself in fatness. Thank you, Dr. Simpson. Incline your ears and come unto me here, and your soul shall live, mm-hmm. and I will make an everlasting covenant with you, even the sure mercies, mercies of, of David. David. Oh yeah, David was a meek. David was meek, right? Well, this is what I like about how these blessings that Christ would would say that they would have, mm-hmm. but then the scriptures you can find them in the prophets, and, and as we gonna go, you find that God has already put it there. But Jesus is letting this this multitude know mm-hmm. this is the teaching that they didn't get from the scribes and the Pharisees. Yeah. Because these teaching is in the law and the Proverbs and uh, the prophets. And it's not like it wasn't available to them. Uh, yeah, it was available to them. Because John the Baptist knew it. Paul knew it. But, you know, after they got the word. But why didn't the scribes and Pharisees know it? Uh, they were stuck in the law. 
and they were stuck in themselves too in a lot of ways remember some of these things we were saying how it says they stand out on the street corners and they make long prayers and they try to you know make a presentation for themselves and um you know they they command you to do right and to obey this law he said and all these hard rules that because they had the 10 commandments but then they had about 600 rules that they added to it and they said they put all of that on the people they said but not even with one of their little fingers would they lift to do any of them so you know they were full of themselves they're full of the law they didn't have understanding so it was available to them but if they had been obedient and humble and meek it could have been made available to them. He could have given them understanding too. So the prophets knew, and um, some of the some of the people knew when he got here. I certainly John the Baptist knew. All right, but he lived a consecrated life. That's a big point. Okay, verse seven. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Mercy is this, Doctor Simpson. It's compassion and pity for someone afflicted or suffering or in distress. Yeah, yeah. How, you can't be heartless and walk past them or not care. Oh boy, they'll be all right. Give them some time. I'll check on them later. You know, they may be dead. They may be. You know, it may be a foregone situation, or maybe it was the throes of something that they just needed a little bit of encouragement to get through. Right? Yeah. It wouldn't have taken nothing out of you. It wouldn't have taken nothing. But sometimes, you know, people don't really have that. Um, in them. So he's really trying to change our hearts here. He's really trying to show us how to, um, the, he said the kingdom is upside down. They, they picked a very good topic um, for this lesson. Things were upside down. What should have been, you know, in the first, in the forefront is somewhere in the back. What should have been the most important thing or at the top of their list of priorities was somewhere at the bottom of the list, and he had to flip it. Well, this is something that Messiah was sent to do. And this is the blessings of mercies. It's in James chapter 2, verse 13. It says, and I got two translations. The King James says this, For he shall have judgment without mercy, that showeth no No mercy, mercy. and mercy rejoice against judgment. Uh Mm -hmm. But the New Living Translation, I like what they, because it makes it more clear. You really can enjoy it what the New Living Translation Study Bible says. It says this, there will be no mercy for those who have not shown mercy to others. You know, that's the hard, that's a hard scripture. I, when I first read that, I just, you know, I kind of trembled a little bit. But here's the second. Judgment without mercy is hard to wrap yeah. your head around. But right? this is what it says in the second part of this verse. But God will be merciful when he judge you. Mm-hmm. Because you gave mercy when you go into judgment, God will grant you mercy. That's why it said it rejoices against judgment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mercy, when you're given so much mercy, when God judge you and you get mercy in judgment, and sometimes you was wrong, but God said, well, since you gave this person mercy, I'm going to give you mercy. Now your mercy is rejoicing in judgment. Well, you know, it kind of, I was reading... Well, I don't. I, maybe I shouldn't go to that because he tells them to rejoice when he begins to bring judgment on their enemies. In Revelation. Well, yeah, that's because everything is sealed up and everything is done and over with now. It's done and over with. He said, I'm, and he said, now I, I just avenged your blood on the false prophet, yeah, look, on the beast. I mean, the false, look what the false prophet was doing. And he said, now rejoice. Yeah. He told them to rejoice, but for right now, we don't rejoice in. Their judgment. We try to pray and help them and have a mentality to guide them out of 
that destructive path is where, is where he's really trying to get us to, to get on that straight and narrow path that leads them to righteousness. And so not just ourselves, but others as well. Okay, so verse 8 says, okay. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they mm-hmm. shall see God. Yeah. So pure is this. It means to be clean. Sometimes purified by the fire. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And David is, is a good example of this. When he messed up with Uriah and Bathsheba, this is what David says in Psalms chapter 51. Verse, I got two verses, verse 7 and 12. He said, Purge me with hyssop, mm-hmm. and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. This is what David said when he fell out of God's grace. So that pure is, you know, having no impediments and yep. yeah, you All don't have any any um, traces. Yeah, heart, yeah, and sometimes there can even be traces of impurity. Well, there can the, be traces. That's what the fire does. The fire purges it, and, and and there can be remnants, you know left over by something that may have happened well, in your life. Well, when you put gold in the fire, all the impurities comes out. Uh-huh. But that's just the and point. The, the reason why it's still in there. That's why the fire is there to keep to get it out of you. That's the point. But but it, it's in there. How did it get in there? How did the impurities get in there? By things that have happened, by the sins, by the sins. nature that we have, yeah. by um, the the false teaching, by the um, weaknesses, a lot of things. deception, there's so yeah. many ways. And so, you know, instead of looking at someone and looking and saying that there's impurity in them, just know that you're not going to get, you're not privy to all the details of how they became that impure or what all occurred in their life to bring them to this point. But what you do have is the ability and the power, if you have the compassion, to help them to come through those stages. Well, well, you know, God's going to try all our works. We're going to be tried in the fire. Our works to see what Mm -hmm. sort we be or not. But um, we all can go through our tests and trials. And the main purpose of our tests and trials is to... Purify us. Purify us, yes. Uh We need it. You know, we got to be tried. And that's one of them. And then also we get to learn God. We get to learn ourselves too. (laughs) Our relationship and our fellowship with our Heavenly Father. We get to learn what we're really all about. Now that's the part where, you know, we find out where your treasure is. That's that's where your heart should be also. So you find out where your heart really is, you know. And then you find out, oh, I didn't know that's what I was really all about. I didn't know it was that bad. But we learned that also in the fire as well. Yes. Verse 9 said, Blessed are the peacemaker, for they shall be called the children of God. Mm-hmm. Peacemakers are this. Jesus' disciples are to work for justice, justice mm-hmm. righteousness, reconciliation, mm-hmm. and mercy mm-hmm. as the effect of God's salvation through Christ. I like what Hebrews said about it. Hebrews says this, Follow peace with all men mm-hmm. and holiness. Without which no man shall see God. Do I have time to give a little example? Go ahead. Well, today I was with one of my patients, and um, one of his friends was visiting with him as well. And so the um, friend was saying how there was a employee at the facility that was not nice. The person was just loud and rude and mean, and they didn't like them. 
And then they went on to say, and other people, I've seen them do other people that way. And other people say things about, and they went on and on. And it seemed like this person was just wanting to put it in me to feel the same way. And there was going to be no satisfaction unless whoever this person was, they were referring to, unless they were punished. Unless they saw harm come to this person for what they did to them. So, you know, um, the meek, again, you know, you take it. So at the end of, you know, I said, sometimes we don't understand other people. Sometimes that's just their nature. Maybe that's the way that they talk. Maybe, you know, for whatever reason, that's the way that they come across. But in their mind, they may not mean it. Whether they do or not, we can't judge. I said, I've learned not to take it personally. And so at the end of the session, and, and, and the person just kept bringing it up. Yeah, but they're mean. And they, every time, and so I said, well, don't, you don't want to stress over it because the things that happen in your life, your mind will cause your body to react in sickness and all kinds of other things. Well, no, I'm not stressing over them at all. I said, but they kept going for about 20 minutes. I said, you know why I know you're stressing over it? Because you can't stop talking about it. Well, they didn't like it because I didn't feel the way that they felt. And I didn't take up the attitude that they took up. So after everything was over, when we were going back in, and I said, you might be able to be the one that helps this person get healed. Or you might be the one that will help this person to look at you and see I haven't been as kind and maybe they'll feel some kind of remorse and sorrow and just maybe God will use you to do that. So that's what we have to um, strive to be. He said, blessed are the peacemakers, not the, the, you know, those that like to raise up, you know, kick up the dust and those that like to throw torpedoes and those that like to throw grenades and set off everything. And, you know, those are not the ones. And some people take pride. I think people take pride sometimes in having the ability to, you know, okay, I'm getting ready to really make this person mad. I'm getting ready to make, I'm going to turn this place out. And this is not the peacemaker, but blessed are the peacemakers because they shall be called the children of God. So if you're running around causing all kinds of trouble, stirring up stuff, and you're calling yourself a child of God, uh, I think you should really read the scripture again and say, well, did I make peace? Well, then if not, I'm not one of the children of God. Yeah, they're supposed to work towards justice. It's serious. You're supposed to. It's a lifestyle. Mercy. He requires it. So verse number uh, 10. Blessed are, they, blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, but mm-hmm. theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Okay. And we know what persecution is, Dr. Simpson. Yeah. Uh, persecution is the hatred and affliction that follows the witness of God's people mm-hmm. in a hostile world. I heard somebody saying just a couple of weeks ago, they talked about um, emotional, you know, people can be emotionally distressed, frustrated, overwhelmed. And they said that there was such thing as emotional injustice. They said emotional um abuse and then it goes to another level and says they said emotional violence now that's one it's one thing to you know just be unfair it's another thing to just abuse someone and then it's another level down to be violent 
And all these things can happen emotionally. Yes, you can be persecuted for your faith. This is what David said. He said, many persecution and trouble me, yet I have not sway from your laws. Second Corinthians says this, Dr. Simpson, this okay. is for the church. This is for us who are going through things in the body of Christ. Second mm-hmm. Corinthians chapter 4, 17 says this, for our light afflictions, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding, exceeding weight of glory and eternal, eternal weight of glory. Weight of glory. That's the and, kingdom and gl- of God. Right. And, gl- and, and glory and that weightiness, you know, is the manifested power of God. Yes, that's the citizenship of the kingdom of heaven. And, and when it's being manifesting, when God's power is being shown through you, then the kingdom, you know, is being enlarged. You know, it's being, you know, what are we, uh, what is our theme this year? Um, you know, as we're pressing to enhance and enlarge the kingdom, this is how it's done. So verse number 11. It said, Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. Mm -hmm. For so persecuted they the prophets which was before you. Mm -hmm. So Peter says this, Dr. Simpson. Uh, uh, 1 Peter 4 and 14 says this. If ye be reproached Mm -hmm. for the name of Christ, Mm -hmm. happy are ye. For the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. It's like a crown of glory on you when you be persecuted. Well, the power is resting yes, on you. Is. God is holding you and sustaining yes. you and empowering you. Yes, for the spirit of God and of God rests. I'm sorry. For the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. Rests upon you. On their part, he is evil spoken of. Right. But on your part. He is glorified. Yeah, he's glorified. I mean, evil spoken of, they can say, "Oh, you're just lame," or you know, you know, I, I, you know, it just being being saved. If it takes all that, let people treat you like that. You know, I'm not. I don't want to be a part of that. You know, just people walk all over you, and so they people have that mentality. Oh, you're a Christian. I'm getting ready to try this. I'm getting ready to try you. I'm getting ready to disrespect you in every way. And you have no right to say nothing because you said you're a Christian. So, but he said, but the power of God is resting on you. And I have seen that when people try their best to make you angry. If you allow the power of God to rest on you and you fill yourself up with that anointing, you fill yourself up with prayer and the word, you know, you can literally watch them as they're trying and it's not even impacting you. You can get to the place where they're doing things and saying things that otherwise would have really broke you down and it's doing nothing to you at all to hurt you. That's the power of God resting upon you. But then at the same time, he can begin to make them feel the guilt, the heaviness. Yep, he can he can turn that thing Upside down or right side up, the way it's supposed to be. So verse number 12. 13. Oh, we're in 13? Yes. Okay. Ye are the salt of the earth, Mm -hmm. but if the salt have lost its savor, Mm -hmm. wherewith shall it be salted? Mm -hmm. It is therefore good for nothing, Mm -hmm. but to be cast out and to be trodden on the foot of men. Mm -hmm. Now I got something in numbers right here, Dr. Simpson. Chapter number, verse 18 and 19. I like this, and I wanted to put this in here. Because this is the salt covenant. This is the salt covenant that um, David took to himself mm-hmm. for this covenant for his descendant to forever sit on his throne. Mm-hmm. And it says like this, 
Uh, verse 19. What chapter? Numbers 18. Numbers 18 chapter. Okay. In verse 19. It said, I have given thee and thy sons and thy daughters with thee by a statute forever. It is a covenant of salt forever before the Lord unto thee and to thy seeds for Who's talking thee. there? This is Moses talking. Oh, it's Moses. I thought you said David. Okay. To the next generation yeah. about the salt covenant. David did use this covenant mm-hmm. for his descendant to sit on his throne forever. Okay. Thank God King Saul didn't use this because King Saul never uh, instituted um, the priestly order. But David did institute it, and because David was the king, this covenant of salt was applied to him and his descendants. Mm-hmm. But we have a covenant with God. Mm-hmm. Uh, would Jesus bring light to it and say, "Now ye are the salt of the earth"? Mm-hmm. And I think, do you think that one of the reasons why Saul didn't because it wasn't in Saul? Well, Saul was the king for forty-two years, but he never did, uh, you know, go and rebuild. Sh- 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 Shiloh, excuse me. That's where Joshua put the Ark of the Covenant and the Tabernacle. But do you think it wasn't? It just wasn't in him. You know, as far as a person, as far as his character. No, no, he he had no interest in it. No, that's why he was rejected. He also built a monument unto himself. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, so he did that. Uh, Is that when the Tabernacle was left in Shiloh? It was left in Shiloh when uh, Eli died. Okay. And Ark of the Covenant was taken captured. Okay. And battled the Philistines, right. but when David, of course, David came and got the uh, yeah, court. Well, he came and got the Ark of the Covenant, and then he he built a, a sacred Place tent for, for it, Ark. just for that Ark of the Covenant. And didn't he take the part that was the Holy of Holies? He and he placed it in there. Yes, and he put it back, and he put the Ark of the Covenant in there. Yes. Okay. But the tabernacle was a, a distance off. And you see the difference? It was in David's heart. Yeah, well, God says, God said, I have found a man after, after my, own my own heart. heart. And that, that makes all the difference. Your behavior makes all the difference. And, and how God blesses you is based on what you allow him to purify, plant, or, or nurture, or whatever, um, building your heart. But you can resist it. You can reject it. You know, and then, of course, you get well, the other side of the coin. Well, because that's what this says. It said, if, uh, he said, you're the salt of the earth. Mm-hmm. Okay. But if you lose your saltiness, you'll be cast out and try to try You're good to for nothing. Yeah, so we have the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. you know. But if we don't bear fruits of the Spirit and we just lose our 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 flavor or Savor. our holiness or yeah. our power mm-hmm. that the, that the, the salt covenant will give us mm-hmm. through Jesus Christ's blood, we get the Holy Spirit. And if we just serve God, you know, with a I don't care attitude, that's and, no savor. There's no savor. Yes, in and we just all of a sudden. God said, there's no savor in, in you. There's no, there's no flavor in you. There's yeah. no holiness. You're not bringing out anything. And no. that's what salt, you try fixing some rice or some grits or some greens or whatever you cook. And don't put a little salt in there or at least something to enhance the flavor. You know, that's what the salt's purpose is. And there's a preservation, you know, yes. element in it. And if you don't put it in there, then, you know, what? what is this? It's like I may as well be putting sand or dirt in my food because... It doesn't have the effect that it's supposed to have. But holy, so, the whole, and, and you're right, Doctor Simpson. And I have no other use for it. And the Holy Spirit is holy. It's supposed to keep you in holiness or preserve you for you know, for for God's own use as being sanctified. We know we set apart for mm-hmm. God's use for His glory. 
So if you pray for somebody and they get healed, that's God's glory. That's his reputation. I tell you, if you don't have... That's his testimony. For if somebody. you don't have that salt, you're worthless. He said you're going to be tra- cast out. I, this is, this is nothing. I don't need this in my seasonings. I don't. This is something I have no use for. Right? Verse it's 14. just so much. 14 says, Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set upon a hill cannot be hid. Yes, Isaiah 61, and I got a few verses. Okay. So Isaiah 60 says this, Arise, shine, for thy light is come, mm-hmm. and the glory of the Lord is risen upon thee. Mm-hmm. For behold, mm-hmm. the darkness shall cover the earth and gross dark, darkness the, the people, people. Mm-hmm. but the Lord shall arise upon thee, and his glory shall be seen upon thee, and the Gentiles mm-hmm. shall come unto the light, mm-hmm. and the king to the brightness of thy rise. So what this is, is a prophecy of the Gentiles coming into the kingdom because they, the Bible says, they that sat in the regions um, of darkness have seen a great, great light. light. Yes. Yeah. So um, that your light shall come. He, and, and, and that's what chapter in Isaiah? This is chapter 60. See, and then that's the, after chapter 39, they call that the gospel of Isaiah because Isaiah just talks so much about Christ. Yes, he talks about Messiah, and he talks about his coming and the works and everything about him. So, by the time you get here, he's 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 prophesying the Gentiles are going to get saved, you know, and this is where it's going to come. They're going to see this light, and they're going to get a chance to partake of this and, and light. See, Doctor, this is what I love about Christ. He always say things in line with the scriptures. Mm-hmm. He didn't say anything of, of himself. He was the word made flesh. Yes. Even in this beatitude, you can always go back into the prophecy mm-hmm. and see what Jesus is talking about. I, it was already spoken. I think spoken. that's a good point. I think that's a good point because if you say something of yourself, you he, he it's no opinions, right? No personal um, feelings or you know my attitude toward this. We don't. We can't be saved by your opinions and your attitudes. It is the word of God. And I like the word of God, Dr. Simpson, to be demonstrated in power and authority. I like to see signs and wonders and people get delivered, just like this multitude that's sitting in Jesus' audience. Mm-hmm. Uh, he healed all of them, mm-hmm. but now he's giving them blessings. Mm-hmm. You, if you follow my righteousness, you're going to have these blessings that Isaiah and Psalms are talked about. And they're extensive. They're, they're things that you couldn't even have asked for. Oh, because God, God is vast, and his, yeah. his glory and his power and his blessings are, are multitudes. Multitudes. You know? And he always uses you to help someone else. Like he tells in, in 59, he said, if you do these things, if you humble yourself, if you fast, if you pray, if you live right, he said, then you shall be called a repairer of the breach. And again, a breach is, you know, a baby, that, like a breach baby is coming out the wrong way. He's not coming out head first, which could be very dangerous. It could be fatal. But it's, again, like the lesson says, upside down kingdom. But you can repair that with the things that we have power to do, like fast and pray and go before God and, and intercede on their behalf. Um, he said, and you will be a restorer of paths to dwell in, places that were in ruins and run down and, right. you know, uninhabitable. You you can bring about a change in yes. the world. In the millennium, you will be repaired. And even now, I mean, there are some things now people's lives are so destroyed. 
just like this list we read at the very beginning. His multitude. Yes, all of those those destroyed lives and those destroyed paths, they can be repaired. Verse 15. And 15 says, Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light to all that are in the house. This is what Philippians 2 and 15 say, That ye may be blameless, harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom ye shine as light in the world. Okay. You're supposed to see your glory. Come to your light. Come to your glory. You should live and, in such a way. Yes. I mean, God's glory on you, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. And then when you pray for folks, they get delivered. Right. This is the whole purpose of you coming to people coming to your light. Not to you get give them the gospel, mm-hmm. the power of the gospel, mm-hmm. the light of the gospel. God gets glory. They get delivered. God gets the praise. Exactly. So not to make a name for yourself, not nope. to gather a crowd like nope. Jesus gathered this crowd because he was healing people, casting out demons, taking people out of their torments, delivering the lunatics, yep. cast, you know, not to make a name for yourself or just to have a crowd that follows you around. He made of himself of no reputation. That's it. He found himself in the form of God and found it not robbery to be equal with God, but yet he made of himself no reputation and he took upon himself the form of a servant and humbled himself unto death even death of the cross those are the lines that we should be thinking along lines of being a living sacrifice okay, the last one verse 16. let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your father which is in Heaven. This is what Peter said. First Peter chapter two. Peter mm-hmm. gonna he got the keys, so he gonna he gonna he said, having your conversation honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they spoke against you as evildoers, mm-hmm. they may be by your good works, okay. which they shall behold, glorify God in a day of visitation. Okay. God gets all the glory from our lives and we are blessed and we belong to him he is a wonderful savior he is wonderful and you're going to pray us out today so we're going to go ahead we have uh um another engagement so um god bless you all for joining us i pray that this lesson will stir your righteous hearts and that god will bless and anoint you to turn the kingdom in the direction and continue to be a part of the solution to our kingdom. All right, Elder Simpson, pray us on out. God bless you. Hey, and remember to come back on Monday because on Monday, you okay? (laughs) So on Monday, I just want to get a close-up of this face. On Monday, um, we will be in chapter number 20 of the Revelation Challenge. And that is a long way through. We're finally in chapter number 20. And uh, that will be Monday at 5 o'clock Eastern Standard Time uh, right here on Reset Forever. And other than that, Elder Simpson and I look forward to being with you again next Wednesday for the next Sunday School lesson. So God bless you and uh, give you over for pray us out. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceedingly joy. To the only wise God, our Savior, be glory, majesty, dominion, and power, both now and and ever. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And with that, God bless you, everyone.